welcome to a special bonus episode of the Pinch to Zoom podcast. I am actually Gabe this time. You're always Gabe, but you're doing the intro this time. But I'm doing the intro because I figured this is my episode. I'm taking the reins now. The A7S III, I've been waiting five years for this. Uh, Not quite five years. Four years and 342 days. Actually, technically, a little less than that. But who really cares? It's here today. It just launched. A lot of the specs leaked out online. Stetson, have you already... (laughs) <laughs> already pre-ordered i've yeah. pre-ordered i canceled my canon eos r6 pre-order and i pre-ordered the sony alpha a7s3 mirrorless camera because wow. this thing okay. is well, totally hype i think we've gotten a little ahead of ourselves right because we kind of started at the ending and i think we need to start at the beginning well i think the ending is almost all you need to know is that people right, so are scooping a, this thank up you guys, thank you guys for listening uh you should buy you know, it that's really it We'll be back next time with some other episode or bonus episode. Who really knows? No, let's start at the beginning. Okay, so for people who don't know, the A7S2 was the previous camera uh, to this miraculous unicorn that just appeared. And the A7S2 launched in September 2015, and it really changed the game because the S stood for sensitivity uh, and not because this camera had good emotions, you know, and was good at like listening and stuff like that. No, it's because this camera had a 12 megapixel full frame sensor. And could shoot with ISOs up to like 400,000 and still be usable. You know, yeah, it'd be a little grainy, but it's compared to what you can do on other cameras where they cap off at like 50,000 ISO. Yeah, it basically revolutionized the mirrorless camera industry and really videography uh, and at, for, a whole, for like the whole industry. What you could do with low light was incredibly exactly. impressive with the A7S2. And Gabe, when we did our full frame versus APS-C camera debate, you took the full frame side... You are a huge proponent for larger pixels on a sensor. That is exactly what A7S2 delivered, and that is exactly what A7S3 continues to deliver. So what did Sony do with this new sensor in the A7S3? So the interesting thing, okay, is that we just saw and we just had a bonus episode about the Canon EOS R5 and R6. Both of those cameras, you had the R6 coming in, the cheaper one, kind of like an A7 III type camera where it's that mid-range in between super high resolution photography and, and the geared towards videography. And that was a 20 megapixel sensor. And then the R5 had a 48 megapixel sensor. 45 megapixel. 45 megapixel sensor, sorry. And now you have Sony coming in at a completely different, kind of like they're just going, all right, you're going to do that, Canon. We're going to come back here, do what we do best, and just do a purely focused video mirrorless camera. So it only has a 12 megapixel sensor still. 12, 12. 12.1 megapixel yeah. sensor. Don't forget that point 0.1 extra. And that it's is very important. Actually a brand new sensor, which I think is why this camera took so long for Sony to release and develop. It is. Do you have the specific jargon they use to uh, describe that sensor? It is a new Exmor R CMOS sensor that is backside illuminated. And this thing is delivering the holy grail of specs, what all videographers are wanting. You have 15 stops of dynamic range. You're getting 10-bit 422 recording on all video modes. And you can record up to 4K at 120 frames per second. This is... This is just the dream come true. And I don't I mean I'll keep on spewing out amazing facts. Autofocus works in all video recording resolutions and frame rates. And 
I mean, this is just the dream. This is the dream. Yeah, so from a specs front, the video, they capped it off at 4K. It's because they have that 12 megapixel sensor. So I think this is actually more, you know, like what I want. Granted, you will have people who will opt for cameras that have 6K or 8K, depending on what type of work they're doing. You know, if you're doing more studio work and you don't need that low light capability, or you're doing something with VFX where you want that extra information, yeah, you'll opt for the higher resolution. But for people who are, you know, running gun shooters like myself and, you know, don't want to have to carry a bunch of lights around, this is like having a full lighting kit in your pocket because that capability to just drop that ice or ramp the ISO up, I mean, and still get very usable video quality is incredible. So, yeah, you said 4K 120 FPS. Uh, that's awesome. And it's going to be at 10 bit 422, which is incredible. I, I had heard rumors before that it was going to cap at 4K 60 with the 10-bit 422, but it looks like they completely revamped the whole UI of the menu system for one. But that, the way we they, should almost like just dive into that. Like, well, it's kind of hard to describe. But the way they, but the way it works though is that now instead of having specifically assigned frame rates to record to like uh, recording modes and stuff where the, you had before, now you can like individually select this is how fast I want to record frame rate. This is how much. Uh, resolution I want to have. This is the um, recording Kodak, like 4-bit 222, or I want to, I mean, sorry, 10-bit 422, or maybe you want 10-bit 420, or 8-bit 42, like, and depending on what you're shooting, that, you know, I if I'm shooting just something for, like, Instagram, I'll shoot, like, super lower quality, so I don't take up a bunch of space, but if I'm shooting something, you know, for a screen or YouTube that I really want to be good quality, I'm going to shoot the highest quality possible. So he also introduced their new XAVC uh, S codecs and HS codecs. So the HS is for recording in the H.265 video codec. So you're going to yeah, get super high efficiency. High efficiency. You're going to get greater colors at a uh, just a better efficiency codec. So it looks like it's recording. But that's, but that's not their highest capability codec. Yeah, right? it is not. They can they can go up to uh, what is it? 16. 600, I think. Isn't it 600 megabits per second? Yeah, 600 megabits per second. Uh, is that for the raw? Is that what you're talking about? No, there's no... Act I don't think there's any internal raw recording. There's no, but it's external. Yeah, it's, here we go. You can do external raw internally to do the 4K 120 frames per second, uh, what 10-bit 422. Gosh, these numbers are so long and stuff. But to do that, you have to have the new CF Express Type A cards. Yeah, so, so that's the other th the other thing about this camera. Two card slots on the side. Both slots accept both CF Express Type A and SDXC cards. You can do it's amazingly you can do almost all the recording modes with just an SDXC card. So that's really awesome. But if you want to get those super higher rate uh, recording modes and you want to get I think a thousand image raw buffer, that's insane. You can, yeah, you can use this new card which costs four, about four hundred dollars. Sony is the only one that has these new Type A type cards. The SanDisk doesn't have them. You know, no one else has them. So for right now, you have to order with Sony. You can pre-order it, add it on to the thirty-five hundred dollar price tag, thirty-eight hundred dollars and forty-six, or thirty-eight thirty-eight hundred forty-six dollars. So this is yeah, a little more expensive than I'd want to pay for a card, but they are like the the bleeding edge of tech when it comes to memory cards. Yeah. So you actually have to buy the card. And you have to buy the new card reader, card reader yeah. for $112. Uh, so Sony is kind of adding on a few extras here, but still, it'll work with both your regular SD cards that you have. You only really need the new cards if you want 
the higher end recording modes, which for some people, that's a no brainer. They're going to pick them up. Um, And I think the other big thing, which everyone kind of expected, but it's using Sony's E-mount. So this camera right off the bat works with 57 lenses already available uh, from Sony. And of course, with all the other lenses. Wasn't that a no brainer? That was absolutely no brainer, but I, I think it was... It's just so nice, nice. to already Let's have Let's talk all about the glass. big thing. Let's talk about the big thing for you though, right? What is that? The flip out screen. Yeah, there we go. And all right, I mean this is and, just oh, a wait, huge area. You have to edit edit what you said. The flip out what screen? Touch screen. Yeah, there we go. Oh Actual my Actual touch screen. I'm so excited. This this basically changed the game for me. So, Sony introduced a flip out fully articulating touch screen for the A7S3. Not only is the menu system redesigned, but you can physically touch the menu items. You can scroll. You can just tap to do what you want. Okay. Well, can you actually, can you scroll? Yeah, you, you can see? scroll. Okay. I That's saw really a video. Awesome. It's just, it's like you're using your smartphone uh, screen interface. It is exactly what I wanted. Hopefully what many other people wanted as well. Yep. And not only can you use this screen to view yourself while you're vlogging or use it to compose your shots but you can tap to focus while you're recording, even at 4K, 120 frames per second. Again, autofocus working in all video modes across all resolutions and frame rates. This, it's just unbelievable what Sony packed into this camera. Now, the big thing I think also is, we did talk about that UI change. And I don't know if you have experience with it, I'm gonna guess not, but I tried out the uh, Nikon cameras last fall, the Z6. And I will say, I'm trying to think about Canon menu systems as well. I'm pretty, this is more of a rip off of Nikon menu systems. I almost want to say Fujifilm, to be honest. Fuji a little bit as well and Panasonic too, but I've used a couple Nikon cameras and the idea of having that side menu uh, where you can go in and scroll through, like that's a direct rip off of Nikon. I'm okay with it though. Yeah, I'm okay with it. When I used that Nikon camera, the one thing I liked was the menu system. It's uh, more consistent, it's better, it'll be easier to use. And Gabe, like you were mentioning, you can just go in, select each individual setting you want uh, for your recording frame rate, bit depth, and all of that. The, I think what's exciting is Sony will now keep your settings for photo separate from the settings you have for video. So not only do you get three customizable settings in the dial, but you can keep your settings separate from the video mode and the photo mode. This Doesn't this seem kind of like what Sigma did with the FP? I think it is what Sigma did with the FP, and I think we also saw this with Fujifilm, with the X-T4, where they were keeping those yeah. uh, modes very distinct and separate. Yeah, true. That's kind of a growing trend we've seen in this uh, mirrorless camera you know, market. Now, another big th- feature, we've, we pretty much covered all the specs. Like, the specs were all leaked right like from the get-go yeah so, i mean i guess one more thing it is it is 759 point autofocus points if you really care about that much and the evf which it's crazy wh- how they're even caring about the electronic viewfinder because who really uses that for video but it's technically 9.44 million dot oled screen so for those who really cared about that stuff that i think the, that's that's very comparable to what we're seeing on other cameras as well yeah and so no but what i was going to say is the HDMI out. Yeah. This I is mean, this big. is huge. This is because, literally, literally. Because it's, it's full-size HDMI out. Yeah. And Gabe, what does that allow us to do? It's CR well, that, footage, right? 
well, basically, for me, this basically just allows you to not have that tiny little port and the tiny little plug that I constantly worry about, like, bending or breaking off. And Oh, my God. It's just, I literally, just, every time I'd plug in, I would just have a heart attack. Like, please, 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 please do not break, snap off, or something like that. So, this allows it to be a lot more stable, a lot more secure plug-in, and also transfer a lot more info, I think, right? Yeah, and so with the extra information that it can transfer, you can record externally at 16-bit raw recording at 4.2K resolution up to 60 frames per second. Now, that said, I don't think there's any external recorder currently available that can do that, uh, but it's still nice to have that flexibility what, what was, and sorry, what was the frame rate again? Up to 60 frames per second. Okay, yeah, I'm not really... I, I think the Atmos Ninja probably can. Maybe. One of those I don't Atmos. know. I don't know if they're ready for it yet. Uh, yeah, I guess, they might need a, a firmware upgrade probably, is my guess. I also want to mention the autofocus system that Gabe mentioned has 92% coverage. Uh, again, it will work all the time. And if you are shooting at 4K 120 frames per second, you are going to get a 10% crop on the image. Interestingly, Sony also introduced their new stabilization mode, which also incurs, I believe it's a 10% crop if you choose to enable that. They pulled this over from the ZV-1, uh, which a lot of people liked. Unfortunately, that camera had the fixed lens, so it punched in even closer and made the ZV-1 less ideal for vlogging. However, with the A7S III, boom, you can slap on a super wide-angle lens and not only get smooth footage but the wider shot that you're looking for while you're vlogging and you can see yourself on the gorgeous new flip out screen now the interesting thing i think is also you, you were mentioning the stabilization right yes so it's i'm just looking at the comparison a7s2 4.5 stops a7s3 was five stops this is now 5.5 stops with the five axis in body stabilization i think you can get more with the lenses when you add it yeah, with the right. stabilized lenses yeah. as well, yes. And interestingly, also looking at a comparison that B&H has a nice one up on their site between the three cameras, the new uh, A7S III is using the same battery as the A7 III. So that That's is the perfect. NPFZ100. I know I have two of those at least, so I'm all set to go and make an easy transfer over. This also has the USB Type-C input for charging the battery oh, in the camera. Hallelujah, right? I mean, do we know? I think that's the only way to charge the battery. There's not going to be another well, way to do that. There'll be the external if you buy an external charger. Like yeah. Kind of Unfortunately, yeah. that is another add-on. The one thing that wasn't covered on this camera that I am very perplexed about. Well, battery life oh. wasn't covered. It was also interesting in the main event, Sony didn't announce the price. Like, the live stream just ended. They ended with, like, slides and slides and slides of bullets and then no price. Oh, yeah. I was I was already on B and H pre-ordering by that time. <laughs> I'd stopped watching the live stream. You're by like, about yeah, I don't 10 need this anymore. In. No. Jeez. The interesting thing though, they did announce actually was this, and I think it kind of get glossed over because it's not the main thing. But they announced the Sony XLR K. Oh gosh, this name is insane. Sony. I know XLR K three M dual channel digital XLR audio. Basically, what it is, it's this thing that goes on top into the multi interface uh, hot shoe and attaches there and has a shotgun microphone built in, but as well as it's actually a four channel audio input with XLR inputs and sends that not just like, okay, you then send that out into a separate recorder. It actually can put that into the uh, Sony camera and record it along with the video. 
that is, I mean, a huge workflow advantage. I know I would love to have my audio synced with my video as I'm recording it. Saves yeah. time in post-production. I yeah, think you, that and, accessory and you get, and you, get, you get two XLR inputs as well as it looks like two, uh, or no, one. I don't know how they call this. Yeah, the four, four channel. I'm channel. not seeing the four inputs myself. Oh, I guess you maybe you could have a stereo one is my guess somehow. That would or make maybe, sense. maybe the camera microphone. I don't know, something like that. They're doing it some weird way. But it does, that's still two XLR inputs is really, that's what most audio recorders like our task cams or uh, Zoom recorders have. So Do we have pricing on that yet? That's uh, $600. Oh, so a, little, a little pricey. That is not what I wanted to yeah, hear. Yeah, I, I, I was just clicking on that. I was like, okay, well, maybe a little more expensive than I would have hoped. You're going to be holding but, off on that one. But if you're considering, okay, that basically is setting you up like, you know, a field broadcast camera or a more expensive cinema camera, right? Where you have the XLR inputs right there. So that's pricing the Sony camera up to about $4,200, I think, right? You know, $4,100, not including the CF Express cards. Because the, the, if we didn't mention already, the A7S three thirty $3,500. So with that $600, that's $4,100. That's a pretty good price for a camera that has XLR inputs. It is a very competitive price, especially considering the other options out there. And in my opinion, I just like that the lenses, I guess the lenses that I've been looking at are generally cheaper and Sony already has a built out collection of really great lenses to choose from, especially from Sigma. Whereas the new Canon cameras, the new RF mount, they don't have those lenses available just yet. So you are spending quite a bit extra in my opinion to get the Canon RF glass. And the, the one thing I kind of brought it up earlier, but uh, do you see where the like the camera control dial? Well, really the nipple on the back. I Does that look different to you? Like it looks like it's just, it looks different to me where I, I, it doesn't look like a joystick, but kind of more of a like a rubbery thing. Yeah, yeah. like a rubbery texture. Mm. Like is it touch sensitive? Does it move around? No, I, think, I think it's basically like a joystick, but kind of like just they changed the design. The interesting thing, speaking of buttons, is the recording button oh. is now in a new spot. It's yeah. a dedicated recording button too. Did, Look did at that. Did you see where they put it? Right where you would want it. Yeah, right next to the uh, shutter, shutter button. button. So I think that's... I don't know. The annoying thing for me, honestly... <laughs> is going between shooting on like where I might have now I'm probably likely I still have my a7s2 I have now the a7 III as my main shooter this will become my main video shooter and I'll likely keep the a7 III for photos because it is higher resolution at 24 megapixels the annoying thing is that having slightly different controls like that where oh this is where the you know the video thing is on this one and this is where basically on each of those cameras they move the video record button oh so going yeah because on the the a7 going in between them oh yeah on the a7s2 it's like weirdly on the side with your thumb <laughs> and the a7 three it's like right next to the evf so like going in between them oh my god i i get so confused there's been many times when i've missed recording because i've uh like, so stumbled like physically around. Oh, missed the yeah. button yeah. what i did is yeah. i made the shutter button start and stop the recording yeah, Although that has caused problems for me because I've started and stopped it. Like I meant to half press it to autofocus. I'm yep. so used to doing that in the photo mode and that will uh, cause problems in video mode. It'll be interesting to see what the kind of feel is with that button, right? Yeah. If it's maybe clicky or if it's kind of mushy or, or what they're yeah, going like, for there. I'm hoping they make it feel different than the other C uh, buttons that are there, the custom buttons. I think, I mean, is there anything else we need to cover about this camera? I mean, it's just 
perfect basically yeah we covered pretty much everything i the interesting thing is also now all right we had this uh canon camera come out you know the cameras sorry come out and they had oh overheating like three four days later this is a great point so what will we find out about this camera that uh makes it look less you know right now we're just like you know crushing on it like you just saw a attractive person that you like oh my god so cute right uh, and you're, and now we saw this new camera, like, oh, dang, that camera's got it going on. Like, and so what are we going to find out once we do the stalking on their profile that we're like, oh, maybe they're not for us. Well, for Canon, we found out they had some serious. They were too over, hot. They were too hot. Too yep. hot to touch. Too hot yeah. to use. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. So what caused me to cancel my R6 pre-order was I found out the R6 would overheat while recording 4K 24 frames per second. And if it did, it would just explode, right? And that, that was... that's just unacceptable. Like, I can't have those kinds of limitations while creating content. Yeah. Uh, so, Gabe, for this new chick walking down the block, uh, when we check out her profile, are we going to find out any nasty surprises? I feel I... like I was burned once. Well, so... I don't think the overheating, they definitely were clear that that's not going to be an issue. And that makes sense because this is only taking in you know, a 12 megapixel sensor and as opposed to 20 or 45 megapixel. So a lot less information being processed, which means that they can uh, take more of it and use it and not be overheating. So that we probably won't see that. However, I do imagine that there are going to be some, there's always something that comes out, right? It's always too perfect. So like maybe the battery life is like not too good in those higher recording modes or something like that. I think we have to wait for some tests to see how that performs but i mean they don't have as we know right now there are no overheating issues there are no recording limits they say they have an approximate 60 minute recording time at 4k 60 frames per second i think the biggest limitation will end up being the storage like because they're only releasing a 160 gig cf express i think they're releasing an 80 and a 160 but you figure but if still you have, like that's not enough. Two, but if you have two 160s in there, that's 320. Ah, I see. I see. Not too bad. Welcome to the world of du- dual slots. Dual slots, and th- baby. And I think what would be actually the way to go would be to have that 160 in one, and then get like a 512 gigabyte SDX and put it in the other one, and set it to record, you know, the higher stuff that needs to be on that CF Express Type A card to that card slot, and then everything else, photos and everything, to the SDX. That's smart. And I guess one thing I'm somewhat optimistic for is with the 12 megapixels, I would hope the raw files and the compressed raw files would actually be smaller in size, something I noticed from shooting on my a7 III. While there's plenty of resolution, it's delightful to use the images, the file sizes are huge. And so even taking just a couple of photos really eats up space. Mavic Mavic Air 2, the difference between the 48 megapixel and the 12 megapixel is insane. Really? In file size. Oh, you can look at, yeah, just file size alone. It's like 7 megabytes for the uh, 12 megapixel one, and it's like 25 or 26 often for the 48. Jeez, yeah, it really adds up. So I'm hopeful that you can still enjoy the fast autofocus, uh, the sharp, crisp images uh, with a little bit less space on this. on this. It's primarily a video camera, but I think... I think that's it. I think that's what you need to know about A7S3. That's pretty much it. Now... One th- more thing is no, there's no, there's no one more thing. The, the thing I was gonna say, the other thing that could change 
you know, our reactions and everything is if some other camera comes out from Sony, from Nikon, from Panasonic, you know, if GH6. Panasonic, yeah, if Panasonic all of a sudden says, oh, GH6, GH6 announcement coming out August 6th. Hey, that'd be a good, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, uh, copywriting that idea if I can, I don't know. And the, but that would, uh, you know, and they then drop, you know, okay, here's, you know, 400 frames per second in HD and 240 in 4k, uh, with that same, you know, granted it's a micro four thirds, but still that's in the spec wars that could really change the game. I think for many people, the a seven S three is going to be the move. It's checking all the boxes for video. And that's why we started out the podcast. We actually have both placed pre-orders for this camera. Before we were even recording. That's, yeah. We were just, yep, this is it. Independent. I didn't know Gabe. Well, I guess Gabe was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And yesterday I was like, nope, R6 is not doing it for me. Let me see what is going on here. We actually had a video leak. B&H's video came out a little bit early. And so I was like, yep, this is the move. Um, so, yeah. Oh, and I guess the last thing we didn't mention, though, is that you know, the delivery date, not till September 24th. Oh, so too long. Got quite, quite a long time for another camera to come out and change your mind. It's so hard that all of these review units are out. Like I saw Marquez Brownlee tweeting, yep, we used it for our autofocus episode we just shot. Gerald Undone has a fantastic, deep, in-depth video on the A7S III. And these are all like production review units. So these these poor YouTubers are like using it. Yep, this is the dream camera. They have to send it back to Sony and then wait until September 24th to continue using their workhorse. Yeah. I think either way, I think that's going to be it for this episode. Stay tuned for next episode. We're actually doing a deep dive into cameras. We're talking Sony A7 III versus A7S III. We'll be pulling in more information about the R6 and R5 from Canon how they compare, and Gabe, of course, has his Go review of the a7 III, which could be the new best, I don't really want to say budget, but uh, a balanced camera for people getting into photography, getting into videography, and I think it's going to be a grand time talking It's going to be a lot of cameras. Get ready. A lot of cameras, a lot of tech, so stay tuned for that. That's going to be the next episode. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. You can follow the show at Pinch to Zoom Pod on Twitter, at Pinch to Zoom Podcast on Instagram. Um, I, I think that's going to be it. So we look forward to talking to you in the next episode. I'm super excited about this camera. I just I wish it was here already. All right, that's it. I'm Stetson. I'm Gabe, already waiting for the A7S IV. <laughs> and we look forward to talking to you in the next episode. Yeah, can we quickly talk about how these new CF Express cards is $330 for 160 gigs? I could easily get like a terabyte solid state drive for that. Easy. Did, did you pre-order it with the card? No. I did. See, that was, might have been a mistake, but I didn't order the card reader though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That should be the ending of the podcast. Gabe, pre-orders camera with card to save $50 does not order card readers. Only because I didn't see the card reader, honestly. <laughs>